Well, and who is their full authentic self on social media anyway? Yeah. <laughs> and so you combine <laughs> who is who am I? Who is my teacher persona? And then who is my teacher persona on social media? It's just getting like further away from who am I really? Yep. And I mean, who, philosophically, like who am I? Really? <laughs> and like, what does that mean? Get deep. Welcome to another episode of AKA Teacher. How's everybody doing this week? Better at the moment. Hanging in there. Well, we had a snow day this week. You did? Oh my gosh. Snow day. It's the best. So in my district, they give you a call, like a robo call at at before 6 a.m. They promise they'll get it out before 6. And it was at 5 a.m. And I knew right when my phone started ringing, I was like, I know exactly who's calling me and I'm so happy. So <laughs> I just, um, I kind of enjoyed the snow day and everything that goes along with it. You know, I got little kids mm-hmm. and it was just so magical. Mm. It was a great snow day. Oh, well, a hat yes. I wore this week was, believe it or not, COVID finally caught me. I had been out running it mm. this long. <sighs> And so this week, Sorry to hear. right, this week was my hat was sick mom, sick teacher, sick person. And um, mm. wow, what a shot. I'm a I'm a walker. Like I literally walk like two to five miles a day and not being able to do that. Just whatever. Yeah. COVID caught me and uh, it really had me down. And so the hat of like, being a teacher is crazy because no matter how sick you are, you're still thinking you should drag yourself to school. And you're still wondering, you know, you like feel bad for staying home. I mean, it's crazy. And yet kids all around us are crazy. I'll probably talk about that later in the episode about like how illness is like massively circulating. Um, But yeah, had I had wear was sick mother, sick wife, sick friend, sick. Did everybody get it? No. In your family? No, just me. Thankfully. It really was just me, but you know, you know, who's holding it down over here. Oh yeah. So mama goes (laughs) down and house goes down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Daniel, man, you wear some hats this week. Uh, Yeah, Joanna. Sorry to hear that. I have a friend and former colleague on my mind because one of her team teachers on her team is leaving mid year. Mm. And, you know, that's seems to be more and more common just hearing people I know who know people at their school teachers who are just walking uh, in the middle of the year and it's all this COVID still going on right the working conditions and low pay for teachers all of this is still going on and it times are really really tough and it's getting to people still oh yeah and I'm just very concerned with the good teachers that we are losing dedicated teachers that we are losing so they're on my mind Mm -hmm. today i'm sometimes kind of grabby about teachers that leave mid-school year for for like a new profession like an almost like the i'm sick of this teaching profession reason you know obviously there's a million reasons related to health mental health um other circumstances and where you leave but sometimes i feel like i I've heard teachers leave. I don't know. I'm I'm very mixed up just even as we 
process this right now. I feel bad for students when a teacher yeah. leaves mm-hmm. mid-year. That's it really disrupts the kids. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. it's hard for me to find empathy because my brain is so fixed on the kids. But I know that's not necessarily right. right. Well, I well, just well. do. I really think it's it's mental health and or working. It's yeah. because it's right. It's our colleagues. It's the people who actually are just yeah. as committed to us as us. And I don't think they know to call it that. But, you know, they may it may sound like F this, I'm leaving or good, I'm gone or yeah. I just. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think that's what it is. I think they're making a healthy choice, but that it just, you know, when a teacher resigns, it goes forward to the school board, right? A school board, like at, at the meetings, they go over like hirings and resignations. And so often when those rev- resignations go forward, sometimes board members may ask whether in public or behind closed doors and say like, what, what, what happened? Like, why did this person leave or why did this department leave because there was a while where I had we had like departments leaving okay and you know the the response would be like well they have a better opportunity somewhere else or she's getting married and she's moving and those are the things that you are going to tell your employer because you do want to keep your professional reputation intact but it's but but would you have decided to move where your partner was living if you weren't so dissatisfied? Or would you be so happy and looking for this other opportunity if you were if you weren't so dissatisfied? So it, it it's it's complex. But it, and it's similar though to me staying home and feeling bad. Like for whatever reason and and we do it to each other and we do it to yes. ourselves of of kind of yep. But I appreciate that you bring up the honesty because I think that uh, those thoughts go through the people who are left's heads sometimes. I do think the issue is complex and not so much on the individual, but another reflection of the system and the systemic issues. Totally. Agree. Absolutely. Shelton, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I was trying to sit here and think of a word. I guess I was at a retreat last week and I'm just, it was a retreat on the work I do is called circle work. It's literally putting people in a circle and creating an intention and a space for kids to be safe and brave. But the work was almost healing for me. So, and I didn't realize I needed it, but just the, just the time to be present. We were off in the woods, no Wi-Fi. Uh, from 12 to three every day, they just gave us time to be to ourselves, whatever that meant. So I guess I would have had just clarity this week of how I got to do my work a little different just for that. I mean, just for those reasons, as we were talking about, like mental health or just your emotional health and things like that. So just just trying to slow down and figure out how to do my work different so it don't fire back on me and uh, just have me all drained and things like that. What a great opportunity when you are doing when you do a retreat like that. Is that through your employer? Was that through? something you just choose to do in your life it well actually my employer okay and it's it's best of both worlds because if it's if it's something i choose to do in my life but i can relate it to work they're very good about allowing me to go so yes it was well it just makes me think about early in my teaching career i feel like part of the reason i'm so committed to alternative education was we did that we did summer retreats and kind of similar to what you just described and i think it was really foundational in 
who I became as a as an educator. And I do think those are important opportunities for us as professionals. All right, AKA teacher fellows here. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about realness, relationships, and respect. I think it is such an interesting and yet difficult aspect of our jobs as educators to kind of navigate the how much of you do you bring into your work or do you reveal or do you share? Um, you know, because on one hand, relationship is everything and authenticity you know, it is like, it's kind of like the critical part of the work. On the other hand, it's like, how much is yours and should stay yours? Just when I say that, what do you think about? Do you have any kind of like guidelines that you follow or what comes to mind when you think about like who you are and who you are inside and outside of your classroom and, or in your work and, and what you share? What comes to mind for me, like the kids I work with, I think it's vital that I, I I am myself because number one, I work with them because I see myself in them. But I also understand that when I'm not being my authentic self, like they can sniff that out. And then when they sniff that out, it's it's almost like the trust is gone because they realize you're being somebody that you're not. And then like, I, if you're gonna lie to yourself, how can I trust you? So I think like that being real and being myself, like that's an intention every day for me. I think about how much has kind of maybe changed over the progression of my career in terms of how much I, sh I mean, I feel like I'm authentically myself, but what's easier to relate to or different has changed. Like, I do feel like when I was a younger educator and I literally was like going out all the time, you know what I mean? And not getting good <laughs> sleep and this and that, like I didn't share like what I would do on a weekend. You know, whereas now yeah. I'm at a point where right now I've been in an interesting space for the past couple of years that my own children are are the same age as the students that I teach. So I feel like I can share a lot about my life and what we do. And it's very similar when I hear them talking about their issues with their parents. I can be like, oh, my gosh, well, I can tell you as a mom what I think. Um so there's that. And then, but I will say something that's impacted me over the course of my career and maybe and perhaps this is like universally meant to be for good reason. I am not on any kind of social media. I've never been on social media because I don't feel comfortable as an educator. Um, and I don't mm, like yeah. people posting things about me either. So typically we don't use our phones in my classroom. But whenever we go on field trips, the kids always want their phones because it would take pictures and everything. And I'll always be like, that's fine, but I don't want anyone, you know, first, no one should post anyone else without their permission. But I'm really like that, where I'm like, I don't want people posting me. I don't want that out there. So that's something I think about, about some of these boundaries or guidelines I've used about this real, how, how real am I? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with the social media thing. I'm not very interested. I have... I have social media that I use to communicate with family members, but like I'm not interested in befriending students, befriending even like recent graduates. And I, I'm like you, Joanna, like I just, I don't want what I do and what I do share and what I post for my aunts, my grandma, my, my circle of friends who don't live near me. 
I don't want anybody else to see that. That's very selective. Well, and who is their full authentic self on social media anyway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you combine what's already happening with bringing some of your authentic self into a classroom. There's certain parts you choose to bring in, things certain parts you keep to yourself, a little more private, and you make those choices. And then social media, you're only sharing certain things. Um, and so how do those two come together and feel like you're just getting more inauthentic? <laughs> yeah. Who is who am I? Who is my teacher persona? And then who is my teacher persona on social media? It's just getting like further away from who am I really? Yep. And I mean, who, philosophically, like who am I? Really? <laughs> and like, what does that mean? Indeed. If I brought my full authentic self, like that requires knowing the extent of my <laughs> my full authentic self. And like Joanna, I thought about early on in my career and like I would wear a tie, a shirt and tie right uh, early on in my career to school as a teacher to try to look older because mm -hmm. I was young and I looked young and I wanted to appear older, maybe to as a, for respect or authority. Um, and I would never do that now. And I don't know, is it because I'm more comfortable with yeah. myself? Is it just, I, you know, my neck is irritated. I just don't want to wear a tie anymore. Uh, am I older and look older? So I feel like that, you know, doesn't need, the it is not an issue anymore. Um... <laughs> yeah. But Believable just a, that he's old. between early on in my career. <laughs> <laughs> older. older. <laughs> well, like both of you are saying, I can remember when I was a first year teacher, like I have always taught like high school kids mm. and I've always taught usually juniors and seniors. And I can remember my first couple of years being like, I am like a cool big sister to these guys. And like slowly over time, I've aged into big like aunt age. And I can feel that it's coming the next stage of like, oh, I am the age of your parents. Mm -hmm. Like parent age is coming. And then my mother, she's about to retire. She's very much like, oh my gosh, I'm these kids' grandmas. I've shared before that my first teaching job was actually at my the high school I graduated from. And so actually when I first started teaching, my brother and sister were in the school. My sister was in my program. Oh. I like taught my sister. Wow. Yeah. So that was a little hard to keep your life separate when they're all up at my house. Um, and, but, and right. So that, that was just, but there wasn't there, you know, there really wasn't social media then it was like my space yeah. or something i can't even remember but but on the other hand the realness i think that you referred to shelton is the where it's at like and i'm very clear actually when i meet parents at the beginning of the year um i am always sure to share like i even have this almost kind of like little outline of here are things um i just share what I'm also currently struggling with. Um, and just kind of that invitation of like, here's some things I, I want to hear about your life. Here's some things I want you to know about my life. And I'll talk about like, I'm a mom, like I'm a this, that. I'm that. Something that's new in my life that I'm kind of struggling with right now is that my mom has dementia. Or back when it was my son was getting ready to leave the house, I would say something that I'm struggling with right now is as a mom is, is 
preparing for my son to leave. Um, but I always like to make that bridge with families and that's a nice opening. Um, and then also for the students, it's that invitation to, we can, we can share, we can be real about the things in our lives. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what I meant. I totally agree. I, I do have boundaries with my life, but I, I definitely, I'm open to, I'm open book. I think too, where I live, like, cause I'm so, I run into a lot of the kids too. So like when I was on social media, I'm not currently, but I used to like, those were still lines of communication. And some of those kids, they still needed help and guidance and directions yeah. on things. So it was good to just to keep those lines open too. So I guess it's, it's different reasons why I do that, but with boundaries for sure. No question. Yeah, I'm curious. In you mentioned your work with circles and circle work, and I was just thinking about wearing a tie. And for me, early on in my career, that was about respect and authority. And I know in circle work, having been a participant, but not necessarily a skilled facilitator like you, there's a lot of intentional work that's done to level power and authority and to rethink kind of traditional notions of what to as a teacher or as a facilitator, how you use authority and power and that how that might play into what we're talking about here with being your full authentic self or inviting others to be their full authentic self. I'm just curious what yours or anyone else's thoughts are on, on how power and authority specifically play into this topic of, of being real and, and your full self. Um, well, for me, with, with the, the beauty of circle is Everybody has power in the circle, but I have to be intentional about letting them know what their power is because it's designed so everybody is a leader. Like I'm a host. I host the circle. Then you have a guardian who keeps who keeps the time. But then you have the participants and we need their voices for the circle to even work. So just knowing your levels of participation. So I think that plays into a um, almost like a. A balancing of authority so which they feel like they have some authority or some sense of influence within the circle but for me i think uh i think outside of that i think the way i dress because i i well you all seen like i wear jogging suits and i dress real comfortable but for me i always use that as a tool because kids be like oh where you get your shoes from and then it begins like that's where we connect and it's a relationship builder and it just and I'm comfortable and it just, that's what they're used to. So yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think I, for the power of me, it, it all works out for the good. And aside is I believe in the power circle so much that that's all that's in my classroom. I have no square tables. If you I come in, that. you'll see there's love a large it. circle in the middle. Cause we, we use circle too. And I teach from circle and it's literally in the center of the classroom significant of like it's the it. center of all of us and then every table is a circle and we we just really talk about the power of circle circles in terms of there's no there's no point of power it's right it's shared yes. and it's as move as it goes around then a then there's movement that's all yes love it. so thinking it back by your teaching and the authentic self and kind of that authority i think back to like how i manage the classroom in my first few years of like how like weirdly strict I was on some things and how like I was laid back on other things. And it's fun to think about how my, my teaching strategies have evolved to mirror me more authentically. I think as I've just become more comfortable in my own skin that I'm not afraid to maybe be 
like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. Nope. You know, like, whereas before I might have tried different strategies before just straight up being like, no, we don't do that here. You know, like, <laughs> um, and now, you know, we have an all school study hall and we have a little, a kind of a lot of movement, unstructured movement of students during that time frame, and they should be places, you know, and I'll be like, well, oh, no, you, you were not signed up for this room. Leave this room. Nope. Stranger danger. I don't like strangers in my room. Get out of here. And, you know, of version of myself 10 years ago might have been just more, I don't know, slower, wanted to connect with that kid where it's more sometimes you're just like, no, we got a good thing happening in here and you're not welcome to jolly around and distract us. We're working, you know. <laughs> I hear that as it's easier to set boundaries. The more confident yeah. and mature you become, maybe it was harder to set those boundaries then because you said you were more focused on like sounding nice or you know what I mean? Giving yeah. them your attention rather than being like, well, no, not now. Yep. Well, it makes me think of the phrase, the, the real world that we tell the students, right? You might use this in the real world or in the real world, you're going to do this. As a former math teacher, you know, the, we were always going for math that was had a real world context. And what are we trying to create by bringing our full authentic selves? Are we trying to replicate in the classroom, are we trying to replicate the real world with all of its imperfections and problems? Or are we trying to create a better environment that mirrors what we want the quote unquote real world to be? So when we set those boundaries, what is it that we're creating? That's a super good question because I, I have a pretty high uh, happiness like base, like I'm a pretty happy app energetic person. We've fully picked up on that. So I really try to be committed to that in the classroom. But I do sometimes ask people like, am I a toxic optimist? Because I am so like, I like, I don't need the kids to see me crying or like if I'm feeling down in other parts of my life, I kind of have the mindset of like, they don't need to hear about the fact that I just got in trouble from the principal for being a brat during a PD, you know, like they don't need to see that. So be happy, go wash your face so that you don't look like you're just crying and do better. And so I bring like a lot of positive energy to the room, even if I'm not feeling it, because I just kind of think that's what the kids deserve. But then I do, Daniel, have like this mindset of like, am I though not being Am I displaying that it's not okay to be sad? Am I am I giving the kids something that's false? Like don't they need to know it's okay to be sad sometimes, but like at the same time, I don't want to show you when I'm sad ever. Like I don't know, I'm always kind of stuck. I uh just last uh I want to say a few weeks ago actually, I showed up to circle and uh I just told the kids I wasn't I'm like, "Y'all, you got to excuse me. I'm not feeling it today. I'm <laughs> And that this one young lady was like, Shelton, Mr. Shelton, I'm so glad you said that because teachers, they just act like they got to be okay all the time and it's okay not to be okay. And it was just like that allowed me to show up like my authentic self. And they actually took over a group and came up with a topic and ran it. And oh. so. And or I think too, it's important to share. I don't think you necessarily have to change Angie. But your awareness of it is what you can share. You can say like, you guys, you want to know something? This is nuts. That even though I'm stressed, I'll always make it sound like I'm fine. So just know that about me. 
And they probably will be like, yeah, yeah we like know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fully aware. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's showing that you doesn't, because again, the way we feel, the way we are, it's all fine. But demonstrating your awareness of it is, is something I think that's, can be helpful to model to them. So I don't think you have to change. Think about it when we were kids, when you see your teacher doing a regular thing and you'd be like, oh, you go to the store. Like they really think like we're not human sometimes. So to yeah. show them how to deal, how you deal with stuff on a day to day and still show up to work, like that's a great modeling, like Joanna was saying. I mean, no, no matter how you teach, it's it feels like a performance. Mm-hmm. Angie, oh, yeah. I, I hear what you're mm-hmm. saying, whether yeah. it's a straight up lecture or you're facilitating a conversation you're you're on all day long every day and it's a a bit performative it has to be and tiring or sometimes that is helpful because it keeps you out of the darkness when you have to just keep going yeah that, yeah, yeah that's i was gonna say you can use performance as a tool but you i think it's a choice to be present or perform but i do like what daniel was saying because a lot of people when you're on, but if you're present and use it as a tool, like Joanna was saying too, that's a, that's a good balance as well. And that, I think that's the key is my energy most of the time is a part of a tool for just joy in the classroom. Like I, if I can like keep thinking, we're going to be, we're going to be all right. We're going to keep moving. Like if I can just use it as a tool of like, when we're in here, we can be happy. We could do hard things and kind of go for that mindset. It brings us, I think in a good spot. Here's something interesting that I just started doing um, in like the last four years. I used to say I would never really talk about my personal life in terms of like health. Um, And I got diagnosed with, I had some seizures and was diagnosed with epilepsy about 10 years ago. And um, do you guys ever have kids mess around? They flip the lights on, Mm. off, on, off, on, off. You know, you have, that happens. I feel like at least once every school year, some rando kid does it. And I'm pretty quick to be like, hey, actually, I have epilepsy. When you do that, like it could make me get sick, even though that's not the kind of epilepsy I have. I just lie. Um, (laughs) Authentic. I know. Very authentic. Um, (laughs) The most. Um, And I had a mom reach out to me last year and say, oh, my goodness, blah, 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 said that you had mentioned you have epilepsy in class. She's had epilepsy since she was five. She feels like it's her deepest secret. None of her friends know. None of her teachers know. She is so embarrassed to talk about it. And you're the first person that she's ever heard talk about epilepsy like it wasn't a big deal. Thank you. And I so then I had a chance to connect with the kid and I was like kind of taken aback like, just because I mentioned I had epilepsy, but it really struck a chord with her in a way that I did not anticipate. Well, now I'm thinking that I'd like to kind of do a look back and think about just some of our own personal teaching and engagement strategies with kids in terms of engagement, what have we done that's worked well for us? What has been maybe some realizations over our careers? What is maybe some of our best methods that we've used to get to this sweet spot today for engagement with our kids? 
So one thing that I think is going really well for me um, that I was just recently reflecting about with a colleague is engagement in our classrooms. We are, have normal size high school classrooms, around 25, between 25 and 30 kids. And um, I've been, my, my co-teacher and I are both pretty passionate about, we choose where kids sit. We choose who their partners are and their groups are. And of course, we let the kids tell us what they're thinking, tell us who their ex-girlfriend is so they don't have to sit by them, who is their enemy. Okay, well, we won't sit you by each other. But for the most part, we're dictating the groups and the people they're interacting with on a day-to-day basis with a lot of switching. So there's a lot of movement. You're never stuck, air quotes. Um, but we really feel like we get a lot of really good engagement out of every kid when we're doing group work or when we're doing partner work, when we kind of actually force them to work with everybody. What do you guys think? Because I do feel like that has its own, you could debate this. Well, it sounds like you, it sounds like you put the mix in though. You know, it's, I feel like it's just carefully orchestrated by you. Like you're not, it's different when, you know, because back in the day, I do think teachers did, and maybe some still are doing it. They'd be like, oh, I know those two are friends, so I'm going to put them polar opposites. And I don't think that's cool, you know, but the blend of like, where does productivity, who's going to pull out the strengths, who's going to balance it out? To me, that's what you described. Mm-hmm. Right on. And the fact that you asked them questions. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was huge. That's what I said. It's, a powerful it's, question. It helps with the buy-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a, a related role reversal uh, the other day. My seven-year-old was out just after school, and he was playing with a friend. And then his friend's dad came to pick them up, and my son said, "Oh, that's the so-and-so's dad." And he said, "You should go over and say hi." <laughs> Just like we tell them and kind of force these interactions, like go make another friend. He was like, oh, dad, this would be a good friend for you to make. And I just wanted to go home. I didn't, you know, and but I wanted to honor his request because in that moment I realized how many times I had said the same thing to him. Mm -hmm. Right. You're going to meet this person or go, you know, oh, it's you should hang out or you're going to play and kind of setting up these social interactions. And he was just doing the same for me. So I went over and I said hi. And of course, I was glad that we had a, <laughs> a chat. <laughs> we got to meet each other. We do something really Something that I do do in my circle is we do uh, spend pretty much the first half of the year picking numbers. Like every chair in the circle is numbered. And then we just like pick a lottery. Um, again, the circle's only so big. So you're going to like be with people, but we try to be, you know, it's like your version of picking the teams of just like, you know, I want people to be sure that they're comfortable being around everybody. And at first the students think that's weird. You know, they are like, Mm -hmm. we pick numbers or they'll be like, do we have to pick numbers? But then a couple weeks into it, they're like, oh, I got to pick my number. You know? Yep. Yeah. 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 I allow the kids to sit where they want to. But then after we do that, we make the the um, expectations of the circle together so they, they're held accountable. So I let everybody say a rule. But yeah, they they tend to 
for the most part, depending on the grade level, yeah, they tend to hold it together. Actually, the high schoolers, they chat more than the smaller kids. So. <laughs> do you have them come up with the circle norms or like the kind of the expectations of the group? Or do you kind of have them set already and then you let them pretend like they made them? Or what does that look like? No, I, I let them make them. I may have to redirect a few. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, they, it's totally theirs. Totally theirs. I've I really, I've really been intentional about that in the past two years with working agreements mm -hmm. in my classrooms, which I mean, it's every other name we could name it, right? Classroom agreements, working expectations. Um, but I've been like really intentional for the past couple of years. And then every single time we're getting in a group, every single time we're getting in a lab, pull those on the screen really quick and be like, Hey, remember we agreed to these. We said we were going to have good vibes. We said we were going to all talk with each other. We said we were going to make sure everybody knows each other's names. And I've been very happy with that intention for the past few years. I think it's helped with that group work culture. The circles keeps coming up and I, it's connected to what I was thinking about, which for myself, just trying to get better at holding space for others, like asking questions first, asking a few questions, helping somebody think through their ideas or just holding space for them rather than being really quick to say what to say my idea or my experience, um, or even something like, oh, me too. And you think you're kind of sympathizing with them, but really the tables have turned and now you're, you're just talking about what, what you wanted to say. Um, I just think it, it's something especially as all those, you know, teachers who are leaving mid-year are, are just on my mind right now. If you, if you know a teacher, if you have a teacher in your life, check in on them um and and not just you know hey how are you doing i know at a school i was at there was it was around winter this is kind of mid-year time and we did a check-in and we just slightly altered the question of how are you doing uh, this was during the pandemic it was over zoom so we're all feeling disconnected as it was and we just broke out into pairs and you could choose one of two questions to ask your partner and it was uh, not how are you doing, but what's been on your mind lately? Or how are you coping these days? And those two questions alone just opened up that next layer that you don't get when you just ask somebody, how are you doing? Even if they do kind of volunteer more than, oh, I'm fine. You just get something different. We just got something different with those two questions, even over Zoom. So it's just, that's, that's something I've been on my mind is holding space, especially right now when mid-year can feel like kind of a slump. If you know teachers, really check in with them. Well, one thing I also wanted to add, something I've really been thinking about that's been impacting my work since our last episode is the issue of chronic absenteeism. So Truly, there is a ton of illness going on right now. Again, I just was out like most of this past week. I've had students who they're they're just really sick. So on one hand, there's sickness and the kids are coming from we're coming off of COVID where it is like if you have any symptom, stay home. So we're still working in this like overly cautious time, which we should be. And yet. I don't know. I'm freaked out about attendance because I do think I know it's been impacted. I know it's 
lower all around. And so a look back for me is just because in the past I used to really be, I had a pretty unhealthy attitude. You know, I'd be like, you need to be here. I don't care what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. now I said, I'm looking back and thinking like, I don't know that that was healthy because right. It set up this culture we've been in of go to work or go to school, no matter what. And now, but now I see the kids are like in between and the families, like I, just that I'm a core part of my work is attendance. And, and tracking attendance yeah. and talking about attendance and encouraging attendance. And I feel like I'm stuck in this space of like, I actually get why you missed five days. Cause I was just, you know, and so th- just that, like there is real illness and, and we did tell the kids for years, like any symptom, stay home, be cautious. And yeah. now that's actually happening. But I think we're looking at it still problematically. So that was a look it, back. It is really hard. You're you're saying exactly what I think probably teachers of all the ages are feeling. I mean, I I'm also high school teacher, so I I know I'm exactly where you are, and I would imagine the younger grades are feeling that too where you're like you were out for 5 days. I'm glad you were taking care of yourself. Ooh, we got to get you caught up though. You know, like this weird middle ground of like I'm so glad you took care of you. We also have a test this week. You know, and so it's this weird middle ground of like. Well, and that's what I wonder, like, will the culture ever change or flex or adapt? Because it's very stress inducing to the student to be like, I missed this much. And so like, right. How do we just welcome you back and just pick back up? So that that was my look back, y'all, where I'm just like, (laughs) I'm really thinking of this. And realizing, I'm recognizing I I can change and I want to change, but I need the system to come with me. We're talking about the importance of relationships here and saying how we value them and we want to be our authentic selves, but we're saying the system doesn't allow the time for that. So it's one thing to understand what do we mean by authentic relationships? What do we mean by having those in school and being our full selves and inviting students to be their full selves? It's one thing to understand what that means and what we're trying to achieve. And then another thing to actually build in the time to do that and have a system that allows you to build in the time to do that. All right. So now we can transition to the part of our podcast where we take questions from early career or pre-service teachers or hear unique stories from the veteran teachers. And today's question is, is there a specific strategy you use to build relationships with students? And this question comes from Allie in North Fond du Lac. So my first strategy comes with the first day of class questionnaire, um, where I get to know the kids. That's the thing they get right when they walk in the door on the very first day. And it's got your standard questions. What's your name? What do you like to be called? What's your nickname? What are your pronouns? Um, but then I've kind of over year, the years crafted a few of the questions in them to be like, what does your day look like after school? Tell me about your family, colon. Just see what they write. Um, and then what is one thing that most people don't not know about you, but you don't mind sharing? 
And it's from that third question that I found out one year that I had a student who had twins that I was like, what? Holy cow. And that was the entry because I had a, I literally had one baby that was the same age as her twins. And so I use that as an entry point. We regularly talked about our children together in class. Um, and it's incredible how honest kids will be uh, with just kind of a little bit different prompts like that, um, which has been a great gateway for a lot of relationships. Well, kind of building off of that, those beginning of the year questionnaires, you know, I'm wondering how you keep up with that. And if that, if those things evolve, if answers to those questions evolve, I've seen a strategy, I think it was called a 360 spreadsheet. And I haven't done that particular one, but something similar. And just thinking about like, what are all of the questions that you would want to answer to know a student fully, as fully as you can throughout the year? And then just track those questions as as they come up, whether it's on a beginning of the year questionnaire, whether it's just in a you know social interaction in the hallway or as they're coming into class or in an email exchange with home. Um, what are aspects of them and their home life that you would want to know? And depending on how many students you have, it might be hard to keep it all in your head. And so literally writing it down in a spreadsheet, having all of your students in, in the first column and then those questions being in the other columns and then filling it in as the year goes and just keeping track of this holistic picture of all of your students. That'd be really cool if, if you had, I feel like if you were a single grade teacher where maybe you had fewer than 30 kids, that'd be really cool. I could see doing that with my homeroom. I would say my strategy is Again, I think I model by sharing about my, I give the opening by first sharing about myself. And, but then I think the other thing I do is just, again, truly listen and affirm or repeat back, you know? Um, yeah. But I think I always kind of throw the things out there first about myself. Like I share with students that my parents are divorced. Um, you know, I'll share with students, um, how old my own children are. I share with students things I really like to do. Um, you know, I think I do enough of different things that some everyone has something to attach to, but then I do really want to hear from them. And I do a lot of probing, you know, it's like give them the entry, then they start talking, then do more probing. And I really do remember a lot about a lot of people, you know, we do this. So um, then it's something to always come back to and, and work that in to their work ultimately. Yes. Yes. Like Joanna, I don't want to repeat, but mine is almost exactly the same. I like to be vulnerable with who I am. And then I like to affirm them, make sure I, I always say something positive about them or, or remind them of how brilliant they are or what they think is negative. I like to turn it into a positive so, and uh, yeah, just to, continue to do that. But like she said, just active listening. Like if I'm hearing you correctly, did you say this? And, and, and remembering their name, like, cause I struggle with that to be honest with you. So, and they know it cause I'll tell them I'll write their names down. Cause I know how my brain work and I'll tell them, look, I may forget your name twice, but here's how my brain work. I got to write it down. Then when they see, I remember they, Oh, Mr. Shell, you remember my name. So things like that. So, yeah. Another strategy that's coming to mind, and this came from taking on a student teacher and helping this student teacher 
think about this very question. How do you build relationships with students? And we were looking at what relationships he had with the students and, and which students did he know well, which students did he not know well, and kind of looking for patterns. And he asked me, he kind of turned it on me. He said, well, what students do you know well? What patterns have you noticed? And I said, oh, well, but this is a good opportunity for me to, re to reflect on this question. Um, I hadn't quite done it, but since then, it's something that I would do regularly. And I noticed for myself, the students that I was able to write down, you know, the answers to these questions that I would want to know that, you know, makes me think that I know someone, I could write down more information for students who are more vocal in class. And so I was, and then I was kind of asking myself, why do I connect more easily with students who speak up more? Is it connecting because we're extroverts? Is it simply because of time? And so, you know, it's a kind of a, a question and answer dynamic in the classroom. And so is, are those the students that I feel closer to? So we're likely to have a conversation in the hallway. And it just kind of opened my eyes to then the students that I didn't know as well were those who didn't speak up as much in class. And again, what did that say about me? What can I do the very next day to go in and say, okay, these three students who I wasn't able to say much about, and they don't speak up in class. I'm not going to get to know them by just doing the same things I have been doing. So what do I need to do differently to have a conversation with them, to get to know them? Because um, I think if we're not doing that, if we're not reflecting, if we're just kind of letting relationships happen, that's where bias can come in. And so that's where stronger relationships can happen um, or students might feel more connected or have a trusted adult in the school. And if we leave that up to chance or we leave that up to bias, we're not necessarily creating healthy relationships for all students. So I, Daniel, I actually am super intentional about who I'm spending time with and interacting with and really working hard to connect with all the kids, mainly because I've, you hear every now and then maybe kids will say like, oh, that teacher only talks to the basketball players, you know, or insert any mm -hmm. random group you'd like. It doesn't, you know, no shade on a basketball team or a teacher who likes basketball. But, you know, like you, you hear sometimes kids be like, oh, well, that teacher, she only talks to girls. She doesn't talk to the boys or whatever. And I'm so desiring to be the person for my students that it's like, I got to be intentional about making sure that I'm asking like, so what do you do after school? What do, oh, that's cool. Where do you work? Oh, I've been there. I like their food, you know, just really being intentional and then circling back. Do you work this weekend? Oh, cool. I'm going to come by then, you know, even if I am not, but, <laughs> but I think that that's the key is because we don't know what kids suddenly might think, who can I reach out to? Oh, the only teacher I could reach out to is the one who asked me about where I work after school. Like I need, I can't leave it up to chance that a kid doesn't feel connected. Like for me, like if I say for the population I work with, if I say I'm coming by, I'm going to see you. I, I like, I have to follow. Them. Oh yeah. So I have to be intentional of not. They'll be mad. <laughs> Not even mad or even just put me in a category of everybody else in their life of throwing them false promises when so those things too. But do I like to ask like, how can I show up for you today? Like, how can I support you today? Because understanding, I don't want to assume that they're good every day. They may need something different every day. So I have the time and the space to be like, how can I support you today? Like, 
what's different or, or yeah, how do you need me to show up for you? Things like that. AKA teacher podcast friends. We are approaching another wrap to all of our listeners. Please send your comments, interesting stories or questions to education at pbswisconsin.org and put AKA teacher in the subject line. You could send us an email or record a voice memo and send it along. Be sure to check out the AKA Teacher Podcast website to find helpful resources and episodes. Let's stay connected, y'all. We're already looking forward to next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.